You got a problem, you don't know what to do. Your dreams are strange, and you're seeing things too. The world is full of mystery. Life's more than you can see. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. She's a priestess. Hello, psychics. Welcome to Ask Pomegranate, and the podcast where we delve into the mysteries of life, death, and beyond. I'm glad to have you here with me. It seems like what's going on nowadays is there's a real heightened intensity around our own emotional and psychological well-being, and there's a intolerance of our there's an intolerance of pain and um illness around that that i think that previous generations at least in my family i don't know about your family uh kind of put up with we kind of were like yeah you know they're just sort of drunks or yeah they're just kind of depressed or they're just uh they're just unhappy or they're just angry all the time and it seems like in my generation and the generation that's coming up next um there's sort of like a you know i'm not really into just being unhappy and suffering and going through life uh miserable anymore and i really want to actively heal it and i think that there is certain spiritual pressures as we evolve into some higher species of some kind um there seems to be some kind of pressure for us to really delve into that and i think that a lot of the spiritual healers that's what they're talking about that's what eckhart tolle and wayne dryer and elania van sants um, are talking about they're talking about learning how to navigate your way through life in a way that actually makes you feel joyous and excited and into your life. And I think that's right. I think that's our birthright. And so today um, on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot about pain. We're going to talk about my philosophy on emotions and depression and how to handle it. And and why is depression a spiritual issue? And I believe it really kind of is. It's a, it's a, depression is a multi-layered issue. So welcome to the podcast and uh, we'll have your questions next. To leave a question for me, dial 520-222-9922. 520-222-9922. Hi, I was just watching a show and they were talking about emotions and they were talking about positive emotions and negative emotions and they particularly focused a lot on anger and it seemed to me that they thought anger was bad and I get angry now and then myself and I'm wondering, is it anger really bad? Am I bad for being angry? Should I try to not be angry? Or is there some bigger purpose to that emotion i am so glad you asked me this question i love this question because i actually have um i have a real frustration with the popular culture's take on emotions and i i don't i just oh i can't tell you how frustrating i find 
the way that we experience, the way we categorize our feelings as negative and positive, it makes me crazy. Um, In my opinion, there is no, there are zero negative emotions. Zero. In fact, there are no positive emotions. Emotions are neutral. And there's no, there, you really cannot uh, categorize them in those two other categories. You cannot judge them as good or bad. They're neutral. They're as neutral. It's like saying, well, when I feel ticklish, that's good. And when I feel a pinch, that's bad. It's like, well, no, when you feel ticklish, your nerve endings are giving you one signal. And when you get pinched, they're giving you another signal. And both signals are important to pay attention to, uh, either because you're about to have pleasure or because you're about to have pleasure. Oh, sorry. I couldn't help myself there. (laughs) Or because you're, you're about to get injured. So, um, we need to pay attention when we're about to get injured. Do we not? Do we say, Oh, I'm so, I'm so unhappy that I have nerve endings that tell me I'm about to get injured. No, we say, yay. Thank God I have nerve endings. They tell me about the world I'm, I'm related to. So emotions are just like that. Emotions are, nerve endings. That's all they are. And they're giving you information. And, um, I have, I actually have done so much reading on the topic of emotions. There's several really awesome books like, um, emotional intelligence by the author. I can't remember, but emotional intelligence, very good book, really in depth. I've done lots and lots and lots of different kinds of reading in my years. And I've never run across the theories that I had to personally develop for myself. Um, and this is one day I will write a book, but this is my theory. And I think, and I find it very helpful in my practice and perhaps you, sir, will find it helpful to you, which is that you have, um, you have a really limited number of emotions because we all do. And if you go, there's the anthropologists go and they take pictures of feelings and, um, people on people's faces and they go to foreign lands and they show these pictures to people and they've discovered that there's really only a few emotions and that anything beyond these emotions are really a a blending of those feelings and um, are a more complex blending. So it's a multiple feeling thing. And it's, I find it's very helpful if we can all develop the skill to be able to reduce our emotions down to the five or six or seven ones that the, that we as humans all can recognize on each other's face, wherever we go, whatever land we were raised in. If I make a face, um, in a certain emotion, somebody from New Papua New Guinea will be able to identify it. And those are the important ones to pay attention to. By the way, love is not one of those feelings. Love is not a thing that can be expressed on the face. Um, love is not actually an emotion. I pause here for reaction. What? Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> primo engineero. <laughs> um, love is behavior, people. So when you say I, I, he loves me, make sure that that means he's acting in a nurturing and healing way towards you. Because if it's anything other than that, he's not loving you. All right, love and sex addicts, just a little message to you. Um, So let's go through the emotions. The emotions, the primary emotions are anger. This is the one that you were saying might be negative. Anger. If I make an angry face, you can recognize it. Sadness. 
you know that one. You can just go ahead and make these faces as I say them. It helps. By the way, when we, when we make the faces, we release chemicals that into our bodies. And you'll see as you go through them how your chemical system releases, your little chemical factory releases the uh, hormones that help you. And it's just in your facial expression. So anger, sadness, fear, happiness, and there's only a couple more, shock, disgust. Anger, happiness, fear, sadness, shock, disgust. That's it, people. That's all, folks. Those are your feelings. Those are your nerve endings, and they are giving you information. And this information is different for each one. And if you're having a blend of them, you need to sort it out, boil it down and sort it out and go through each one because each one has a different... Um, meaning and a different question it's asking you. And uh, years from now, when I've finished my book on this, you can get it. But just to give you a brief overview in this moment, I'll just tell you what the questions are. Uh, anger is, a ner ner is the nerve ending, the emotional nerve ending that is telling you that some boundary has been crossed, that you have been... Um, mildly or seriously violated that a boundary has been crossed either by you or by somebody else. You've either violated your own boundaries or someone else is violating your boundaries and your level of anger is going to reflect to you how bad a violation that was. So if it's a little irritated or you're a little resentful resentment, by the way, is you having done your own cross your own boundary. If you're a little bit, then it was a little violation. If you did a lot, it was a lot. You're really, 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 really infuriated. It was a big violation. There is nothing wrong with that feeling. That's a good feeling. When you've been violated, you want to take care of it. You want to notice, you want to go, oh, I've been violated. Now, women in this culture have been trained systematically out of being angry and out of noticing when they're being violated. You know, they're called angry feminists. And I say, go angry feminists, go, because... Yes, we've been violated and we're not going to tolerate this and, you know, get your laws out of off my body. And that is, and so what we have to do when we, the question for anger is what has been violated? What boundary do I need to set? And again, you want to take the minimal action. You don't want to do the biggest thing. You want to do the smallest thing that is effective. As our dear friend, Dr. Phil says, it calls the minimal effective response. Um, so that's anger. Sadness. Okay, sadness, right? This is when you can really get stuck into the whirlpool of sadness, whirlpool of sadness, and you never get out, right? You ever have that happen to you where you're just like in, like, I mean, something real happens to you and you just never get out. And it's sometimes when people die, you can never get out of that. And you're always sad. You're always in grief. You're off. Sometimes you get stuck in the moment of death for a long time. I've had many people die in my life who are in my nuclear family. And so I know about that experience. My mother just died this year. And um, I'm actually being able to recover from it fairly well because I know this thing, which is that sadness is asking you, sadness is saying something has changed, which I have no control over. 
I can't stop it from changing. I don't have any power. And so sadness is asking you, what do I need to accept? What do I need to accept? Sadness asks, what do I need to accept? And so that if you can answer that question and then you can allow the grief and the tears to actually break your heart open because that's what sadness also does. It actually breaks your heart open so that you have a larger capacity to have an emotional life and you have a depth, you get depth through this process. If you can let it break open and get that depth, you're always going to feel that pain, but you can let the grief move through you and the acceptance is like a grace and your heart gets bigger and your ability to love and to be present is much more powerful. Fear asks you, I'm afraid. No, sometimes we're, some people are afraid all the time and you know, that could be just your kidneys, right? But fear asks you, um, is saying, Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. Now key here, not, I am not safe. I am not safe. It's not what fear says. Fear does not say I am not safe. Please. Those of you who have spent a lot of time in fear, notice it does not say I am not safe. You've misinterpreted it. If you are thinking that it says, I don't feel safe. You could be perfectly safe. People with OCD are perfectly safe, but they don't feel safe. So I don't feel safe. So the question is real simple. Am I safe? Is everything okay? So how you do that is you just wake up to where you are. Look around where you are right now when you're afraid. Where am I? Look, see where you are. See who you're with. See what's happening. Is this safe? If it's not safe, then you say, what do I need in order to feel safe? And then do that. And if you are safe, go tell yourself, oh, I'm having a fear response, but it's not based in reality. You might've gotten triggered from a past event, or you might be chronically fearful and just habitual to it. And that's where your neural pathways go to, and you have to retrain them. But notice if you're safe, notice where you are, who you're with and what's happening. Am I safe? And if the answer is yes, then do learn some breathing exercises, learn some techniques to calm your endocrine system down because it is overactivated. Happiness is the next one. Happiness, <laughs> happiness, and this one is hard for people. You think that, that, that happiness would be easy, but actually happiness is one of the hardest emotions, the hardest things for people to notice and to um, have their proper response to. And happiness asks you, what's going great? What needs to be celebrated? You know, something has changed and I'm, and it's good. And I have to, I have to receive it. I have to receive the good things that are happening. I have to have gratitude and receive the blessings. And the, how we receive blessings is to celebrate, um, uh, my partner goes, time to jump. <laughs> so we have to jump up and down with glee and in order to accept the happiness, accept the blessings. So that's what happiness is asking you for. And we're really, a lot of us are in a habit of, of really avoiding happiness. Um, partly because, you know, I don't know if my parents are Irish, so it was because, well, we don't want to get, now we don't want to feel too happy because, you know, you might lose it and then you'd be disappointed and life would be, oh no. So, <laughs> so is it time to jump? 
might be time to jump, time to have a party, time to have a rite of passage, happiness, disgust, which is similar to fear, but is not fear. Disgust asks you, it's, it's saying, oh, or as my Auntie Grace like to used to say, she'd always look at something and she'd go, oh, I don't like the look of that. No, she had disgust to most foods. <laughs> so disgust says, oh, I don't like the look of that. So if you meet a person and they disgust you or you see food that is disgusting, that's what it's asking you to say is, is this safe for me to be around? Is this safe for me? And you have to use your mind to make to answer that question because you're just you're just getting the alert with disgust. Follow through. Don't second guess yourself, but follow through because Annie Grace didn't like the look of pizza, uh, but it was perfectly safe for her. She just didn't like the look of it because she was Scottish and she was used to haggis, perfectly plain food like haggis. Uh, <laughs> and then shock, which asks the question. Um, shock is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think this is really important, especially when you have mild shock, because we get a lot of psychic clues through mild shock. So when you enter into a situation and, or suddenly something happens and you're like, <gasps> and it's even if it's a little like, <gasps> you want to say, what's happening? What's happening? Is everything okay? Uh, do I need to make, do I t need to take a quick action? Because shock is like, you know, either you've had, you're entered into your surprise party or, you know, some scary thing has happened and you need to protect yourself. So do I need to take quick action? Uh, if your endocrine system hasn't already taken over and taken the action, then you need to ask, do I need to take action? That one sort of takes care of itself a little bit. <laughs> you don't have to worry about so much. We're all pretty good at shock, I think, except for those of us who leave our bodies. So hopefully that helps you understand that your feelings are neutral they are neither good nor bad. They are simply information. And if you can use my technique, copyright pomegranate oil, future book to be issued in years to come, if I ever sit down and write it. Um, if you use my technique, you will find that your emotional life settles itself right down. And you have these miraculous tools for navigating the world around you. And what happens is you tend to cultivate um, the happiness one, which is the one we like because it's like the tickle, right? It's fun. And the other ones you handle as they come because they come, they're going to come, they're going to come daily and they're going to come in large doses eventually because we all will be sad. We will all be in grief. We'll all be sad. We'll be angry. We'll be afraid, but you'll handle them. You'll move through with grace. You can ask pomegranate. Hi, pomegranate. This is Lee from Portland, Oregon. And uh, my question for you today is, uh, I suffer from uh, chronic depression and for many years. And I guess the question is, what's, what's going to break the ice? Like, what's, what's the way forward? I've, you know, I'm, I've seen psychiatrists and therapists and all that kind of stuff. And I was just wondering, you know, in my cards, what's the, what's going to be the, the ass, the axe in the, in the uh, chain? Lee, I'm sorry to hear about your depression. Um, it's a hard one. It's a tricky, tricky one. Any of those um, illnesses, you know, depression is, it's really important that we all accept the fact that clinical depression, um, chronic depression is not a flaw of character, is not uh, somebody being uh, a victim or being a whiner, although it's important to when people are being that way to notice. And one day I'm sure someone will ask me a question that 
gets my victim whiner rant going, but depression is a problem in your body. Your body is malfunctioning and um, particularly your brain is malfunctioning and it's often inherited. And so you might want to notice if someone from your family, your father, your mother, your grandparents have also suffered from depression because you've inherited it in that case. And there, it sounds like you have counselors and that you've gotten treatment. One of the baffling things about depression is that it, uh, because it's in the brain, it's the part of our, I think it, I think they have in fact located it to be, well, it's a number of the systems in your brain, but one of the primary systems is on the left side. And so that's the language side. That's the side where you're talking to yourself. And so one of the things depression tells you is um, there is no treatment for depression. Um, it's almost like it has an its own little like desire to exist. It's like there's no treatment for depression. And even if you're on medication that works, frequently that little part of your brain will say, you're fine now. You don't need medication anymore. And people will go off medication. It's really hard to stay focused on taking the medication. And so you really have to, once you do get medicated properly, um, you really do have to uh, have like a reinforcing brain pattern to make sure that you uh, stay on your treatment. And so um, that when your brain goes, I don't need this anymore, I'm fine. <laughs> and you forget, oh, yeah, well, you weren't fine. And, you know, people who suffered from depression know that they were not, in fact, fine that they were in trouble actually. And so you have to have a, th a little thing that reinforces, you know, this medication is the difference between me feeling well and me feeling ill. And, you know, I suffer from um, biological disorders as well that for which I have to take medication every day. It's just that it's not, it's my thyroid and it's not in my brain. So my thyroid doesn't have language to say, stop taking the medication. <laughs> which would be, frankly, a complete disaster for me. And there's no stigma attached to me taking that medication. Nobody goes up to me and says, why don't you just buck up and get your thyroid to work better? You know, it's like everybody agrees the thyroid's not working, so we don't, you know, judge me negatively. Or, And um, it's weird that we do that about depression. Uh, so they know where it is. They know what part of the brain it is. They know the systems that it affects. Um, and how it goes from, you know, this one particular little spot in your left side of your brain and all the way through to your limbic system, which is your primal brain patterns. Um, so that's the thing. It's like if you're not, if you've been medicated and you're not medicated now, just go get some more medic. Go, go back and find a good psychiatric nurse practitioner. I recommend them. They're highly trained. They do counseling work. They know what they're doing. Um, and they can help you get the right dosage. Now, when, if you, now, if you are not Lee and you're somebody who's suffering from, you might be suffering from depression. There's like a whole series of things. Lee's been, you know, been around the block. It sounds like, so he, he knows what he's, he's, he's up against there. Um, there's a whole series of things that you can do leading up to medication to see if they work. And even if you are Lee, some of them you can do, uh, which is beginning with, um, there's some theory, and I think it's really credible, that uh, part of why our brains go wonky and we get these 
ailments um, is we are all suffering from malnutrition in the Western world. And herbalists will tell you how critical, uh, how much more nutrients we used to get from food when we wildcrafted it. It's like something like a thousand times more per meal. It was like a thousand times more minerals than, than you were getting from organic food that you get at the grocery store. And then I don't know if you've seen those charts, but then if you look at pest, uh, pesticided food versus organic food, it drops even farther. There's like hundreds of times more minerals in organic food. And then of course, none of us are, not many of us are eating enough fruits and vegetables. And um, so if you're up for now, when you're depressed, you say to someone, well, you're depressed. Why don't you radically change your diet? Like, Often you're too depressed to change your diet. You know, it takes action and the whole thing. But once you get to a place where you can make these decisions, see if you can't incorporate healthier food choices. And you can simply just start by removing things from your diet, which might not be helpful to you. I think there's been studies linking gluten intolerance to depression. And um, you might want to just if you're feeling sick all the time, that can even cause depression. So try like looking, taking one thing at a time out of your diet and seeing if you improve, if your health improves, if your physicality improves for six weeks, you go off one thing for six weeks. And then at the end of the six weeks, you put it back in and see if you feel better. Um, you know, there's just nothing. There's it's just so important when we're dealing with modern ailments to look to our diets and remember that we're interconnected with everything. So our diets are what we're taking in our bodies is going to be a reflection of who we are. I know we are what we eat. It's just so true. I'm sorry. So, and then there's herbs. Um, you can find an herbalist, find an herb school, you know, Google, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say the word Google. I'll say a different word. Do an internet search on <laughs> on herb schools and call them up and ask them to refer you to an herbalist because an herbalist will help you if you're not already on medication. And I am not recommending you go off medication to try this. If you're on medication it's and it's working, yay, I'm telling you to stay on your medication. But if you're not on medication, the next step up is to from from changing your diet is to look into herbs because many people can have really good results from herbs. Um, and I am not prescribing them to you right now. That's why I want you to see an herbalist and discuss what they would do. And then if that doesn't work, then you will need to stop. Often they are not compatible with medication. So then you check out medication. And if you get a medication that works for you, yay, that's fantastic. Let's use all of our resources. And if you, uh, if that doesn't work for you, you've tried lots of medications, you've gone through another thing, there's a, there's a new treatment. Of course, there's, there's lots of treatments that are beyond that, but there's this new one, which I, I feel like might be, might work for some people really radically well. And it's called transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS therapy, transcranial magnetic stimulation. And essentially what they figured out through giving people MRIs is that people who had depression and had got MRIs for other reasons were finding that their depression was lifting 
and they in the last three years or so they they um, approved a new machine which is specifically made for treating depression MRI machine which takes an MRI and focuses very very closely on the one spot on the left side of your brain where depression is is found and it sort of magnetizes it and you get that kind of clackety, 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 clackety sound, and you do it for three to six weeks, you do it five days a week, and then at the end of it, people who have it uh, done are showing that they are no longer depressed and no longer need medication, and they do not return to depression, and that's the big deal. So uh, now, what are the long-term effects, and what are the consequences, and all of that, that's something that, you know, you'll have to find out. Check it out. I don't know if it's really the thing for you or if it is going to work, but check it out because it could be it could be something really exciting for the treatment of depression. I would start with the smallest thing. I would start with diet, and then I would work my way up until, you know, I tried everything. And then if, you know, depression is so debilitating, you know, for sure, I would be a person that if I had it um, and nothing else worked, I'm, I would... I would definitely be researching TMS therapy um, because it, your life your life is so difficult when you're depressed and it's not your fault. That's what I really want you to know. It's not your fault. It's your brain. Your brain's not working. You could have got it from inheriting it. You could have gotten it through a brain injury. You could be getting it through a an, uh, f- food that you're allergic to. Personally, I am allergic to the American diet. So, I mean, pretty much entirely. So I can't really eat any of that stuff very often without pretty serious, dire physical consequences. So um, check out all of these different things and just remember that this pain that you're in, which is this pain is real. It's physical and it's, it's psychological and it's real and it's not your fault. This pain is your teacher. So it's trying to teach you things. And if you can learn from it, what it's trying to teach you, it will eventually, um, you'll, you'll eventually, you'll find your way through it. And if you're suffering from depression and you're listening to me right now and you're untreated, what I want you to understand is that there's hope, that there's innovation, that there's acupuncture, that there's Um, all of these things available to you that you can seek out. And what you can do in this moment, if you can't do anything else, is you can just tell someone you know that you're depressed, that you need help, that, um, and, and think about the people in your life who love you and, Oh, right. Where depression tells you nobody cares about you. Think about the people in your life that you care about. And if there's one person you know who's kind of action-oriented, just get their attention for long enough and tell them, I am suffering. I'm not feeling well. I need help and I need someone to help me so that something can change in my life. Just find that one person and if that one person doesn't, isn't like taking you in, then just try again with them or someone else later, because it's going to, it might take a little persistence, but you'll hit the right person and they'll, they'll get it and they'll, they'll help you. And then, and what needs to happen, generally speaking, is you need your fam, friends and family to mobilize around you. And I will tell you, although you don't think you're important to them right now, 
because you're suffering, you are important to them. You would be, it would be a terrible, horrible loss to lose you. And in fact, your depression is a form of loss for them and they are suffering already from the loss of you. And although you may not believe it right now, you're loved and you're wanted and you're important. And it would be hard to overcome the lose the loss of you. It would be a damaging, painful thing to the people around you to not have you in their lives. And you can get help and it will get better. As we say, I love the, it can get better campaign and let's use it for depression too. It w- it can get better and you'll, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at the things that, um, that can, your life can go through from a spiritual standpoint. Depression often looks like to me, it looks like a part of you has, gone missing, that a part of you has um, left part of your spirit body has been either removed through whatever, sh- you know, shiganery, sh- is that a word? Shiganery? <laughs> is that the word? Um, or you has been you have taken removed it yourself, that your higher self removed a part of you. Um, often that happens in early childhood trauma. Our early childhood trauma will happen and before it can, that par- a part of you, the precious sort of soul part of you that uh, needs to stay intact is removed. And that part of you is gone and can be retrieved. And can went and so that that's another layer of things to throw on. Um, since this is a spiritual show, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, that I would highly recommend to anybody who's suffering from depression that in, in addition to counseling, okay, medication, counseling, work together to improve the situation much better than either one alone. So if you're just taking medication, your chances of recovering from depression are are 50%. If you just get counseling, they're 50%. If you do both, it's much higher. If you add in a layer of spiritual healing, it's higher again. Now we don't have studies on that, but I have life experience on that. And and we have, I have anecdotal and life experience on that. And it's much higher when you have um, a good healer in your life who can help you, uh, retrieve those parts of you that have gone missing and heal over what we like to call, uh, the way that I talk about it is cracks in your aura, cracks in your spirit, um, that happens through injury in this life. You if suffer an injury, it causes a crack or you get told, uh, stories, which are lies and they cause cracks in you and parts of you, um, have to leave for protection, frankly. And, um, sort of extreme cases of this is um, as examples of multiple case personality or dissociative. It's kind of a called dissociative disorder, DID, DID, something like that. Dissociative identity disorder um, is an extreme case of that where basically you just split all yourself up into bunches of little different parts so that you can um, keep different parts safe in different circumstances, depending on your triggers. So this is a smaller version of that, where we all kind of, um, put away parts of ourselves to keep them safe. And through prayer and healing, we can retrieve those parts, heal the vessel that you, that carries your spirit through the world. And then you become whole again. And often that 
combining with medication, herbs or medication and counseling can be a powerful healing experience. Now, you might be listening to this and not have access to um, a priestess or a healer, or how do you find one? And that's a good question. I'm, we'll be advertising um, a friend of mine's mystery school later in the program, and it's a Crossroads Mystery School. And that uh, is run by my friend Sage Good. Here's an early advertisement for it. And um, she teaches over the phone for those of you who live far away and can't, far away from anybody and can't find a teacher. Uh, it's, she's a great resource for you. Um, she's, you can find her at, this is a free advertisement. That's because I love Sage Good. Sagegood.com. S-A-G-E-G-O-O-D-E.com. Um, but if you can't find a healer that can help you, the best people who will, can heal you is just your friends. Somebody who you love or loves you, putting their hands on you in prayer can retrieve those parts of you. And I don't actually feel like you need to go out and hire me or hire some fancy uh, shamanic healer. And God knows there's some people out there that are complete charlatans. And I want you to be careful of that. Um, so go to your friends and start having little healing circles together where you just, you know, sing a little song or, you know, chant a little note and put your hands on one another. And uh, then the next person gets in and you do the same thing. And the intention, which is important, nine tenths of the magic is intention, is to heal, to retrieve, to call those parts of myself that have gone missing back to myself. You know, it's all magic and woo-woo, but at the same time, it's pretty simple and pretty basic. Uh, and there is no one who has more power than you. Like, yes, I am a great and mighty powerful priestess. I, pomegranate oil, you know, and, uh, but I'm no more powerful than you. I might be a lot more trained in, than you in really complex issues, but frankly, you have as much healing power as I have. The difference between me and you is that I know I'm a powerful healer. So let me help you know you're a powerful healer. Even if you're sitting there right now depressed and sad and lonely and you don't know what to do with yourself, the fact that you're listening to me right now is, is a message from your higher power to you to remind you that you have power, that you can heal, that you can be healed, and that healing is as far away as your own two hands and the hands of the person who is closest to you. Even if you don't feel close to anybody, everybody's got somebody somewhere. And if you don't have somebody, pray for somebody. And it, that's what, another thing you can do, which is even if you can't say to anybody, I'm in trouble, I'm depressed, I need help, you can't get your friends to put their hands on you, you can't, you know, you're so down in the dumps, you can't get anywhere. Just all you can do, what you can do in this moment, which is very powerful, and it will change your life, which is pray for help. Just simply open your hands in this moment, breathe in, and ask to receive help. Just ask. Just say, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready for this to not be true anymore. I'm done with this much pain. I am done with this much sorrow. I am ready to be in a life that is full of love and happiness and joy. 
And by the way, that life that is full of love and happiness and joy is your birthright. It's your birthright. It belongs to you and you can have it. So that's the most simplest act you can do. Now, Lee, back to your question. That's a long and winding road back to Lee, who, um, it sounds like Lee, you're asking me for a psychic reading and I'm not, the format of this show is not psychic readings. Um, but I do have a piece of information. It's not me doing psychic readings for people all day. Um, it's really an advice column. Uh, so, but I do have a little piece of information for you, Lee, which is when I look at you, you, it looks to me like there's two of you. Now, maybe you're a twin. I don't know. But I, mm, that's not the way I'm reading it. What I'm reading it as is one of you is like fleshy and real and one of you is ghostly. And so that I don't think I'm reading that as twins. What I'm reading that as, um, you know, fleshy and in of the earth and ghosty and spirit, like foggy spirit being. So what I feel like is, and you're all, you're, you're a little bit overlap, but you're mostly beside yourself. So when I read that, what I see is that you probably had an inciting incident when you were a child that, mm, or what was the, what was the thing? It's like a, not an inciting incident. It's a, um, okay, here it is. It's like a miscalculation. It's like somehow the environment around you miscalculated for you. They didn't get it. They were miscalculating. And this sent you outside of yourself. And when you went outside of yourself, it, it dulled your brain. So in fact, I do think you need some retrieval. So don't go to the new age pages and look up soul retrieval and then hire someone. Just go to somebody you love and say, help me. I'm beside myself. <laughs> I want to call my essential nature home. Uh, in addition to taking your medication, getting your counseling, this is what I would recommend you do. And also check out this TM, TMS therapy, um, is that you call your essential self home that you say, whatever miscalculation was going on, then I know who I am now. And I call my true self back into my body and just do that. Do that. Like, you know, do that every couple of weeks for a number of months and make it your sort of daily practice of calling yourself home. And what'll happen is it'll highlight things that are irritating and agitating to you that you, that need to be cleared out of you and just work with your counselor on clearing those things out, clearing out that energy that's blocking you from returning to yourself. And as you do so, it, the part of you that's missing will come back in. And the other advice I have specifically for you, Lee, and actually for everybody, which is spend some time in the forest. Get your butt to nature. You are indoors too much, dude. Uh-uh. They're just showing me office. You know, I don't know if you work in an office. I don't know what the hell it is. But you are indoors way too much. You need to be outside. You need to get wet. You need to get muddy. You need to breathe oxygen from trees. Let the trees feed your soul. And this will help retrieve your, your, um, your body back into itself. So... Um, 
So those of you suffering from depression who are taking your medication, good for you. I'm so proud of you. I hope you're also getting your counseling and really working on those issues. Look at guys, here's our job here on planet earth right now. We got to heal all the crap that's come down the ancestral lines. So if you're suffering from depression, you're probably healing the depression of your ancestral line. It's not just you, you're healing. It's your whole ancestral line you're healing. You know, the buck stops here. We're not going to do this anymore. We're changing the way we live. We're not just going to suffer in silence with depression and die sad, lonely, and early. We're going to overcome this. We're going to conquer it. We're going to do something different. We're going to get better nutrition. We're going to get great medication. We're going to get excellent therapists. And we're going to heal our souls. That's what we're going to do. And I encourage you to start pursuing that yourself in as small a way as you can today. Just do the smallest thing you can today. Hey, Portlanders, overworked, overwhelmed, dreaming of returning to a sparkling, fresh-smelling home? Well, it's time to call Sweet Pea House Cleaning at 503-284-6937. Hello, Sweet Pea House Cleaning. Why, yes, we are available for free estimates. Yes, we do have a trained staff of experienced cleaners. Sure, we do move-outs move-ins, and deep cleans. We'll see you this week. Call 503-284-6937. 284-6937. Call Sweet Pea House Cleaning, taking care of Portland homes since 1999. You can ask pomegranate. 520- Two 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 ninety nine twenty two. I want to ask a question about pain, emotional, spiritual, and mental pain. Huge part of life. Uh, it's one of you know life's great transformers and tools if it's embraced. And I can get to a place where I can own my own pain, where I can see it for what it is, where I can say I'm acting this way and feeling this way, not because of a realistic assessment of current situation, but because I am in pain about X. I can see the bright, shining pain in front of me. I can transform it into a sphere, into a sword, but then what? It, it's still pain. I, I don't want to cut anyone with it. That's only going to make it grow. I don't want to throw it away because that would only make it come back in a harder-to-recognize form. I can even go back and deal with the original situation, confront, transform, overcome, resolve. But that doesn't always make that lingering pain go away. What is the next step in transforming pain into something that is useful and healing after we can step back from it, identify the source of it, identify the disguise of it, own it, and even feel tenderness and understanding towards it? What, what's that final thing that helps us to, to get over the hill and, and transform that pain into something usable? Wow, you um, you sound like you've got an amazing handle on your emotional life. I'm really impressed by the way that you described that. I think that was brilliant. I just wanted to play your your question just because I thought the question itself was so filled with um, an interesting perspective on managing pain. Um, you're talking about emotional pain. Physical pain is... Uh, I think physical pain and emotional pain can have similar ways of being dealt with depending on the level of physical pain. Um, 
but let's talk about the emotional pain. What, what we have to understand about pain, it, like any stimulation, like all of the stimulation that we get in the world, it, it's there to teach us. It's there to teach us about ourselves. It's there to educate us about our, so that we can become who we want, who we need to become. So we're here to learn about who to become. So we have to look at what's happening with the pain. Um, what, what can you learn from it? You know, if you're in pain, you're spo- there's something to be learned. And, you know, the pain might be, I need to learn to get help so that I can get the medication I need so that I can resolve my pain, just riffing on the depression question previously. Or then, so then the, the karmic lesson in that is I need I needed to learn to ask for help, which is very profound and very humbling in a very beautiful way. So you have to ask yourself, what is the pain trying to teach you? What is the pain wanting you to understand? How are you being guided to grow? Because everything we encounter in life is here to teach us, especially the annoying things. So when you meet the annoying person and they annoy you to no business, well, that person is your teacher. That person, just think of the person who's the most annoying to you right now and just go, they're my teacher. What am I supposed to learn? Because until you learn it, you, they are not going to go away. Even if you get rid of that one, the next one will show up. And usually the next one's worse. <laughs> Their behavior is even worse because there's something you're supposed to get. There's supposed to, something you're supposed to learn. And you got to ask yourself, what's the pain asking of me? Because it's pain's asking, it's not only teaching you, but it's asking you something. It's saying, you know, is there something I need to accept? Is there something I need to say no to? Is there something that is not safe here for me? Just going back to those emotional questions. Is there something, um, is, is there something I need to protect? Is there something I need to, um, purge? Is there something I need to release? Is there something that I, that I've done that I need to do differently? Is there amends to be made? Ask yourself this series of questions because until you resolve it, um, that pain won't release and some pain will never, ever, 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 ever go away. And that is the nature of being on the planet. Um, your the person who you love loved who died for instance if any of you have experienced that um you know that you will never get over that you know i'm never going to be over it your your heart got broken someone you love died and it's not okay it's not okay it's painful and as long as i can accept that i'm always going to be on you know randomly triggered in any given moment to profound bout of grief and that when that comes it's my job to let it move through me uh, then I'm not trying to get back to who I was before the event happened. So sometimes pain is about letting yourself change. You're sometimes we're in pain because we have this idea of our lives before there could be a before and after, and we want to get back to the person we were before. And you're never going to go back to the person you were before. Uh, you're always going to be the person after because there, this is after, um, there's before I was 20 and after I'm 20, there's before this moment and after this moment. So it's a, that's partly about just being in the flow of what's happened, being an acceptance, being allowed, allowing yourself to be present with what, who you're becoming. 
And then there's pain that is unnecessary. Um, or as my friend Jack Davis likes to say, unnecessary uh, drama. And unnecessary suffering and unnecessary drama are really something to try to unlearn to do. Many of us are trained to cultivate unnecessary suffering. And um, I mean, this is what Buddhism is all about. You know, it's and Buddhism is not about that there will be no suffering. It's that there that that we should learn to um, overcome unnecessary suffering. And they're actually not talking about physical suffering, which I really for years thought they were <laughs> talking about physical suffering. I remember one time I had this really bad gastrointestinal thing and I had gone to this Buddhist talk with this holy sacred monk. It was, this is hilarious. So then I go to this talk and, um, I'm, and he was talking about suffering, suffering, suffering. This is like some kind of language barrier thing. And I was in incredible pain. And I was like, I, this is an illusion. This is an illusion. This is an illusion. And I was like, this is so not an illusion. <laughs> I was like, this is real and it hurts. And it wasn't until years later that I figured out that they were talking about unnecessary emotional suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so well but of course now I get it right thank god I had the monk and the intestinal thing combined together because now I really get that it's not about emotional suffering that despite my profound magical powers of meditation I couldn't really stop my gut from hurting so much that it was distracting um I had to actually attend to my body oh guess what I had a body I had to attend to it so what they're talking about is unnecessary suffering so you have to ask yourself with the pain is are you running stories in your head that makes your brain uh, cultivate unhappy emotions? Not, uh, whoops. No, we're cutting that. I don't want to say that. Are you running thoughts in your head that are cultivating suffering, feelings of suffering? Are you making yourself more sad and scared than you actually need to be to get through this emotional state? Are you running stories in your head that are cultivating low self-worth? Are you running stories that are cultivating um, uh, vitriol towards others? Because no matter how annoying those other people may be, they are in your life because you have called them in and you have yet to teach them to depart in a way that's effective. So you're still learning from them. And um, remember... There is a principle in nature, which you can call karma or which is called the law of three, which is everything that you put out. That means everything you think about another person, every kind of all the energy you, you think about another person or another being or anything comes back to you, echoing back three times, three to 10 times stronger than you put it out there. So if you're thinking that horrible woman, she's just a poisonous viper on the planet. I hate her. Everything about her is this and that and that and this and that. With, and, you know, everybody gets a little bit of that. Everybody gets to vent a little <laughs> to get, you know, break through. But if you do that for very long, remember, it's going to come back to you three times and you're cultivating unnecessary suffering. So look to the, look to the pain that you're in. Is it the pain, is it pain you have to, that you have to accept as this is the kind of pain that's profoundly changed me and that will um, recur 
and that I have to just accept that now my heart has broken open and I'm different? Or is it the kind of pain where you're cultivating it, making it worse, focusing on it, and getting distracted by it rather than uh, doing the simple practice of noticing what's right? So if you're spending all your time noticing what's wrong, I don't doesn't sound like you are, but but in case you are, and not noticing what's right, then uh, that's going to um, bend your habit towards suffering. So one thing you can do is bend your habit towards joy and love. Love is a behavior, not an emotion. And the act of love is the he act of healing and offering and connection. And also the, one of the most profound acts you, of love you can do is to say no to someone and to say, I will not have this. Uh, so... Having said all that, then the other thing I would do is if I was still suffering from pain and it wasn't unnecessary suffering and I had asked myself the questions and I had answered them and I had taken the minimal action I needed to take to take care of those questions, I would then simply turn that pain over. I would ground, I would offer it to the earth. I would put my hands on the earth. I would find a patch of earth and I would put my hands on the earth or I would put my heart on the earth or I put my heart on a tree and I would offer it. I would say, release me from this. And I would, in fact, I have done this in my life and I would do that as many times as I needed to do it for as long as I needed to do it. And I promise you, if you do that, if you do the, if you Make sure you're not cultivating unnecessary suffering. You're not spreading suffering. If you ask yourself the pertinent questions that your emotions are asking you to ask and none of that relieves you and you, if you do a practice of turning it over, of sending it to the earth, of sending it to uh, the life force around you to pray to be released from it, uh, you will be released from it. I did that and I am. I'm released from it. I'm not in the emotional pain I used to be in. And it's, um, miracles happen and, uh, and any pain that's left is yours and it gets to be the part of what breaks you open and makes you bigger and gives you a larger capacity to love. So thank you for that wonderful question on pain. Hey, Portlanders, overworked, overwhelmed, dreaming of returning to a sparkling, fresh smelling home. Well, it's time to call Sweet Pea House Cleaning at 503-284-6937. Hello, Sweet Pea House Cleaning. Why, yes, we are available for free estimates. Yes, we do have a trained staff of experienced cleaners. Sure, we do move-outs, move-ins, and deep cleans. We'll see you this week. Call 503-284-6937, 284-6937. Call Sweet Pea House Cleaning, taking care of Portland homes since 1999. You can ask pomegranate. Thanks for all those great questions, everybody. Uh, that concludes this month's Ask Pomegranate Palmcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a really wonderful month. You can ask Pomegranate. 520 222